Amen. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we just, we just thank you so much. And Father, I pray that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, help us to really understand the Holy Spirit, what he's for, and how he's come to help us. We ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we've been talking about love, the series, Love and Church, for several weeks now, maybe even a little over a month, I guess. And today we're going to talk about love's reward, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in John, um, there's a lot of slides to cover in here. There's a lot of detail on these sheets um, because I really want to take the time to really get this understanding of what the Holy Spirit came for and how much we need Him, how much we do not need to be without Him, the emphasis that Jesus put on Him. And uh, John, in John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. And so the promise is, is that the Holy Spirit was to be our helper. And a lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, people put Him off as somewhere kind of out there somewhere that doesn't really exist. But Jesus said He will be in you and will be with you. And so the Holy Spirit is meant to be in us and to be with us, and He's meant to be a literal helper. He's not supposed to be abstract. We're supposed to know Him. We're supposed to be aware of Him. And Jesus said also in John 14, 23, He said, Jesus answered him. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. Now notice this. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that a good promise? And, uh, and, and the level to which we obey is to the measure we receive the Holy Spirit. Um, the more obedient we become, the greater access the Holy Spirit has to our lives. The louder His voice will become to you, the greater His direction will become to you. Um, has anybody got a napkin? I need, I'll just scratch my arm there. The, the greater His um, leading. And, and one of the scriptures says... Jesus said he will lead you and guide you into all truth. And the Holy Spirit can save you years of agony and stress and trouble from making the wrong decisions in your life. He can save you tons of time, financial hardship, relationship hardship. Uh, he's meant to be your helper. He knows where you need to be. He knows when you need to be there. And the trouble is, if we're, if we're not sensitive, we will be led by our own desires and miss the direction that the Holy Spirit has for our lives. And He desires to be your helper. He doesn't need any help. We need the help. Isn't that right? We can look at our own life and say, boy, I need help. Anybody else need help? I do, right? And, uh, but he is the helper. The irony is, is that God gave us a helper. We were never intended to be on our own. We were never supposed to be on our own. We were never meant to be alone. We were never meant to be without God. In, in the beginning, when God created the earth and put Adam in it, God would come and walk with Adam in the cool of the day. He would spend time with Adam. They would fellowship together. Well, God never changed his mind about what he wanted. Man did. Man sinned, man fell, man fell away from God. 
Man drifted away from God. Well, God always wanted to have that intimacy and the fellowship with Him. God always wanted that. That's why man was created. Man was not created to be a servant of God. Man was created to be a companion with God. Man was meant to be his companion. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. That's what he wanted. That's what God wanted, a friend of God. God wanted companion. We were built in the image of God. We were built as, as much like God as God could make us. We look like him. We walk like him. When God come to the earth, how did he come? As a man. What did he look like? A man, right? When he died on the cross, what was he? A man. You know, he took on the form of a man. And so <clears throat> his desire never changed. God's desire never changed. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And, and there's no greater blessing than to have God dwelling and living on the inside of you. There is no other greater blessing than that. Um, you know, the commandment that we have is to love God and to love each other. As we yield to that commandment, we give great access to the Holy Spirit in our lives. See, we, He has to have our will. He will not go against your will. If you're bent on doing something, He will let you do that even though it's the wrong thing. He's a perfect gentleman. He does not impose in your life. He does not drive you. He leads you. Now, it's up to you to obey Him, right? And He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, an example of that is when Jesus walked out onto the ocean and He was walking to be with the disciples, the only purpose that He had was to get out there and get into that boat and to be with his disciples. But now notice what the scripture says. The scripture says, had they not invited him in, he would have walked right past them. Now you think about that. He, the only reason that he walked out there was to get in that ship. Right? He wanted to be with his disciples. But the scripture says if the disciples would not have invited him into the boat, he would have walked right past them. Why is that? He will not enforce his way on you. And that's why we must be in a state to where we can hear. We have to be in a place where we can be led. And to the, what helps us do that is submitting to the commandment of love. And, and when you submit to the commandment of love, it will go against your own emotions and it will go against the pleasure of your flesh. It always does. When you submit to love, it goes against the pleasure of your flesh. That's why the... Bible says if we to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. See, he says walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so the Holy Spirit is our guide, is our helper. He will prosper us. He will bless us. He will make things well with us. He will give us great peace. When you lie down at night, your sleep will be well. And when you wake up in the morning, His presence will be there. But we have to yield to that. Got something for me. Thank you. Uh, I don't know what I've done there. Um, but <clears throat> now notice in uh, Acts 1.8 it says, Now he's also come to empower our lives so that we're not weak and feeble. We're not supposed to be weak and feeble. He says, Jesus says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
and you shall be witnesses. Now, the power that he's talking about, of course, there's all kinds of miracles and acts and things like that. But the main power that he's emphasizing here is the ability to be a witness. He empowers you to be a witness to those that are around you. He strengthens you. You're not just simply using your own mental state or your own willpower to be able to witness to people. You are actually have the ability and the leading of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. He will lead you and guide you and help you. And there, there was an unction. You'll find that there's an unction to be able to minister to other people. You will supernaturally be able to minister to other people and you will actually be able to speak into their lives things that you would have no idea or know anything about. Many times I've had that happen. I just simply know. I know what's going on with them, especially with young men. I have a real anointing with young men. I can get around them and I know what's going on with them. And I guess the reason why is because I grew up as a harsh life uh, with being young. And so I understand them. I can tell you what they're going to do 30 minutes before they do it. But that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, send him on. He won't, he won't want to go home. He won't want to go home. They come to the house and they want to take up residence. Yeah, yeah. I, I just do. I just have a knowing. I get around them and I don't try that. I don't try to turn it on. I don't work at it. I don't put effort in it. And if I don't have it, I don't try to make it up. But it comes sometimes. I just know. I just know. Uh, I, I know what they're thinking. I know what they're feeling. Um, but... See, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit's come, He will give you, Jesus says, but you shall receive power. See, ability. Dynamis. That's that word there. It's, it's supernatural power, ability, that goes beyond your uh, simple human ability, human reasoning, supernatural intelligence, supernatural knowledge. Uh, People that are filled with the Holy Spirit who spend time with Him or have exceptional knowledge. He will enlighten you. He will make you wise. He will make you able to make wise and good decisions. And, and those decisions won't come out of your head. Your head will just learn about it. See, if you've ever done something, you're, you're out there, you're getting ready to do something, and then all of a sudden you'll just get this unction on the inside, oh, I, don't, I don't feel good about that. See, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, that don't come out of your head. It comes out of here, but your head can learn from it, right? So your head can retain that knowledge. Your head can learn, and over time, you begin to learn patterns of the Holy Spirit. You begin to learn when He's leading you and guiding you and directing you, and you become very sensitive. Now, as you yield to Him, He gets very strong. If you quit yielding to Him, He gets silent. You know, if you, get in, if you find yourself in a place where you don't hear him anymore and you don't sense him, go back to that last thing he said to you. That's what I'm struggling with. Go back and do that. I'm struggling with knowing what that is. Yeah. And, um, and so maybe through when we get through this class, if we can get through all of it, we'll answer some of those questions. But whenever he ministers to you, it is imperative, it is important that you yield. If you don't yield, he gets quiet. He gets silent. And a lot of times I, I, I've been in a place where, you know, I haven't heard him. I don't feel led by him. Now, I don't let my feelings dictate whether he's there or not. The Word of God says he never leaves you or forsakes you. My feelings are no indication that he's there or not there. Okay? However, we all want to experience him. 
right? We all want those emotions. We all want his presence, right? And so what I have found many times is I'll have to go back and I'll think, you know, he told me to do something. I didn't do it. And I got to go back and fix that. And he's right back. Right? And so he doesn't change his mind. See, he's not like us. He's not fickle. He doesn't change his mind because you didn't do something. See, he's still there. Now, there's some things you can't go back and fix. There's some things that have passed and they're just gone. And what you have to do is you have to go and repent over that. You just say, Lord, I just ask you to forgive me and I have more faith in the blood of Jesus than I do my mistake. Amen. Amen. I have more confidence in the blood of Jesus than my failure. I believe that the blood of Jesus is more powerful than my mistake. Now, at that point, that's all you can do because there's some things you can't fix. They're, they're just they're gone, all right? And so, uh, however, that's what we got repentance for. Isn't that, isn't that good? And forgiveness. See, First John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And what else? Cleanse us. Isn't that good? He's not only going to forgive us, but he's going to cleanse us. Now, Jesus begins to explain the importance of him leaving and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit couldn't come unless Jesus left, right? And he said, is it expedient? Now, if we look at uh, John 16, 5 through 7, he says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. Now think about that. To your advantage that I go away. See, the Holy Spirit is meant to be your advantage. You're meant to have an advantage. You're meant to have an advantage above the natural human people. You're not natural human. You're born again. You're supernatural. Amen? See, natural human people can't overcome sin. You can. Natural human people are, are slaves of sin. You are slaves of righteousness. Right? We might sin. We might mess up, but we don't have to. The world has to. They don't have a choice. They don't have no ability to stop sinning. You do. You have the ability to. Amen? Isn't that good? The Bible says sin shall not have dominion over you. You're supernatural. They're natural. They're regular humans. You're superhuman. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? You are. You are. We don't, we don't think that way, and, and it doesn't benefit us when we don't, but we are. We are supernatural, born-again people, child of God. See, Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You have to be supernatural to see the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, he goes on to say, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So here's what he's saying. If you pay attention in that verse, he says, I still have many things to say to you now, but, but you cannot bear them now. He's saying the Holy Spirit's going to take my place and say to you the things that I could not say to you now. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? He's going to pick up where I left off. See, He's going to be to you what Jesus was to the disciples. You don't have anything less than they had. In fact, they didn't really receive the ability that they had until Jesus left. Now, they walked in certain things, had certain miracles happen, but it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came that really lit their wick, right? It was better for them when He came. Isn't that right? They become more powerful until the places where the, the governments begin to say, these are the men that turned the world upside down. 
right? They began to walk in the same kind of acts and works and miracles that Jesus had. It was so powerful when the Holy Spirit uh, saturated them that they would simply lay people out on the streets and if the shadow of Peter would fall on them, they'd get healed. Just the shadow. That's pretty powerful, you know? And we don't even read about that in Jesus' ministry. And Jesus said, greater works will you do than I do because I go to the Father. Yeah, right, because he was telling them he's leaving and they didn't want to hear that, you know, because they, they, by this time they're in love with him. They've had deep fellowship and relationship and he, nobody's ever been like Jesus. And he's telling them, I've got to go to the Father and they don't want to hear that, you see. But he was trying to tell them it's going to be better for you that I do go. I'm going to come back in the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to be to your advantage that I go. Yeah. And now he's coming and saying, oh, I'm leaving. But the Old Testament, I guess they didn't understand. Yeah. The Old Testament, the Old Testament said he would be leaving. Yeah, yeah. They didn't, they didn't catch they all just, that. They were just like... They thought he was came to set up his kingdom. You're here and now you're leaving. You've got to be crazy. That's why yeah. 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 They thought he'd come to set up his kingdom. Yeah. And stay. And stay. Yep. So what Jesus is simply saying here, he says, you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. Now listen to this. This is really good. He will guide you. Now the Holy Spirit is meant to be your guide. He will prompt you along. Now, there is great victory in learning to listen and yielding to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. He will walk you out. The Holy Spirit takes great pleasure in your messes. They're no big challenge to Him. They're not. That's His job. He's the helper. So no matter how bad you have messed it up, right? How bad you have fouled it up, He takes it. There's nothing to Him. It's very simple. To him. Now, to us, it's complex because we don't see like he sees. We don't see the entire picture. He sees the entire picture. He knows what everyone's thinking, what it would take to solve every problem among people. He knows the solution to every question. And so our messes are, are, are pale into comparison to his power and his ability, his knowledge, his ability to fix those things. And so... He will guide you. Now, He's not going to overtake you. He's not going to shove you out the door. He's never going to do it. He's never going to do it. He will tell you not to walk out in the middle of the street, but He'll stand there and watch you get ran over. He will never, ever, ever interfere with what you want. He'll guide you. He'll tell you what to do. And then he'll stand back and see what you do. If, you, if that train's coming, he's not going to move one finger to get you off the track. He's going to watch you get ran over. Now, it's not because he doesn't want you off the track. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he won't violate your will. He will protect your will. He's given you that will. Sometimes I wish he would. 
right? Sometimes I wish he would, but he won't. He's a perfect gentleman. He's not like us. He's perfect in his ways. He will simply, and this is where we have to learn to yield, right? Because he's not a forcer. He's not a dictator. He doesn't overwhelm you. He comes to help you. And, and it's just like, you know, if John comes over to my house, John is not going to walk in my house and start rearranging my furniture, right? Because he don't like the way it is. But now if John might say, you know, this would look, you know, maybe John's a, uh, somebody really good with uh, decor or whatever. And he'd say, you know, that looked really good over there. Would you mind if we, you know, how, what would you think if we moved that over there? And I say, yeah, well, then he could do it. That's the same way the Holy Spirit is. He will lead you to the answer. He will guide you to the answer, but he won't force you. And, and you know, I know it's got to be frustrating. You got to imagine how, you know, you think about your own children and you're trying to tell them something. And you know, you've done been there, you've done done that, you know it ain't going to work. You know it's going to be costly, right? But they're insistent on going their own way, right? Well, you think about the Holy Spirit. Think about how much higher level He has in some of the decisions we make. You know, I think back to times where He tried to lead me not to do something, and when I went on and done it anyway, oh boy, it was costly. Very costly. And then I think back to times where He led me, and I did yield, and it was very prosperous. Now, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about prosperity in life, right? Good things in life, causing you to have a good life. Does that make sense? Now, he says, <clears throat> he will guide you, not force you. He will guide you into all truth. Now, you have to learn to listen to that. You have to learn to yield to that. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will. Now he, does, he goes even further. He will tell you, or the King James says, show you things to come. Now that's pretty powerful. Sometimes you'll just have an intuition about something that's going to happen. Right? I, I remember when Melissa uh, was pregnant with Chloe. Um, I just simply knew that the pregnancy was going to be rough. Nobody had to tell me. I just knew. And um, <clears throat> so they were coming by work, and uh, they were selling, where I was working at the time, they were selling Aflac. And I just knew by the Holy Spirit that when Chloe was going to be born, they were going to put her in an ICU unit. I just knew it. I didn't have to have anybody tell me. Nobody said anything to me about it. I just knew it. And, uh, and so they came by, and they were selling an ICU policy. Guess what I did? I bought it, and it paid me like $3,000 a day every day she was in there. I knew she was going to be fine. I didn't worry about it. And so when it got time to have the baby, I told him, I said, they, she'll end up in the ICU unit, but everything will be fine. And they had the baby, and they put her in the ICU unit. She was in there three days, and she was perfectly fine. The biblical cord got wrapped around her neck, you know, and, and she was a little anemic, I guess, or whatever. And, uh, <clears throat> but she came out perfectly fine. But see, I knew that by the Holy Spirit. See, He will lead you and guide you and show you things to come. He will tell you things to come. And so if you listen to Him, He'll make life easy on you. Because see, if I wouldn't listen to Him, that would have caught me off guard. First of all, I wouldn't have bought the extra policy, right? And then second of all, 
I, it would have caught me off guard and caused fear to come in my heart. But I had no fear. I had none. Now, the family, they were all in sorts about it. And I said, it'll be fine. She'll be just fine. Don't worry about it. And she was. There was no trouble at all. They just put her in there for a couple of days. And I was able to stay home and stay out of work. Had all the money I needed to do whatever I need. And health insurance paid the bill. And Aflac gave me a bunch of money. And so, but see, that's what the Holy Spirit's come to do. He's come to be your helper. You see, he's come to be your helper. Show you things come. Jesus said here, when Jesus left, the Holy Spirit could come. That's why it's to your advantage. See, Jesus was in a human form. He couldn't be everywhere at one time. The Holy Spirit can be. He can be in all places at all time among multiple people at the same time. He's a spirit. And he could be with all of them individually at the same time. The Holy Spirit is to us now what Jesus was to the disciples when he was with them. And then Acts 19, 1 through 7 uh, demonstrates the importance of the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> it says it happened... Acts 9, 19, I'm sorry, 1 through 3 says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now here's what I want you to see here. There's some very important facts here. One, that these are believers. They were born again. But I want you to see that there is a second experience after the new birth of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice this. He says, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, so they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, until then, what were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. So they were baptized in water. They were born again. They had made a confession of faith. And then... Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who had come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And so now the men were about 12 in all. Now what I want you to see here is, is that when you become filled with the Holy Spirit, the first sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the ability to speak in tongues. That's straight from the Scriptures. There's a second experience. The Holy Spirit, when you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. Then you're born again by the Holy Spirit. But then there's the infilling of the Holy Spirit where you become full of the Holy Spirit. And so now... Um, the first thing, now here's what I want you to see. When Paul met these disciples, he didn't want to know anything but one thing. What was the first thing he asked them? Have you received the Holy Spirit? That's right. He wanted to know. And see, Paul found that it was essential for believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Apollos... Apollos was a teacher in the Word, and Apollos was traveling through that coast, and many people were getting born again, but not all of them were getting filled with the Spirit. And so there's two different occasions. We'll see another occasion here in a minute where they sent for Peter, James, and John to get people filled with the Spirit. And, but in this case, Paul, as soon as he found the believers when he came there, the first thing he wanted to know is, are you filled or have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Now, the words that he uses there are important. Notice that he says, receive him. Not God giving him, 
God's already gave him. It's up to us to receive him. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on us. We have to ask for him. We have to receive him. Now, now notice that they had received the word. So it says, now when the apostles, if you look in Acts 8, 14, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received, and there's another example, the word of God. Acts 8, 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now why did they send Peter and John to him? I left that scripture out of there. Let me pull that up. Uh, has anybody got Acts? Can they pull that up on their Bible? Acts 8, 14. You said 4, 18? 8, 14. Let me pull it. Acts 8, 14. Um, you know what? It's okay. I've got it further down here in the slide. We'll just keep going. Okay, I've got it further down. He said, they sent Peter and John. Now, if we ask Peter, now here's what I want you to see here. If we ask Peter, he would say that they were born again. Because it says here, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And if we ask Peter, he would say that they were born again. Why would they say that? Look at 1 Peter 1.23. He says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You see, it says those people have received the word of God. And then Peter goes along and tells you, how do you get born again? By receiving the word of God. Isn't that right? In 1 Peter 1.23, it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So that's how we're born again. Now, when Apollos was at Ephesus... Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately to them. How was that? How did, how did they explain the way of God more accurately? If you look, it says now in Acts 18.24, it says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately, the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. Right? So now look at the next verse. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. And when they desire, and when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing that from the Scriptures that Jesus is Christ, is the Christ. Now, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, if you'll see it, we need to go back to Acts 8.14. I, I, somehow or another I left that slide out of there, and we'll go back to it in just a minute. The Holy Spirit brings back to our remembrance the Word of God. So we need to put the Word of God into our hearts so that He can bring it back out. He puts that. And John 14, 26 tells us that. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance things I have said. Now, that's one way to become really, really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. 
to the, to the level of the ability that you put in the Word of God in your heart. Um, and as you begin to renew your mind to the Word of God, it gives the Holy, it, it, it helps you recognize the Holy Spirit when He's talking to you. He always leads you and guides you in line with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit never leads you contrary to God's Word. And there will be times when He begins to say things to you or guide you or lead you. You'll say, you know, that sounds like what the Scriptures say. It will always be in line with the Scriptures. And so it's always a good thing to continually renew your mind to the Word of God because He'll lead you in line with the Word of God. In fact, if you feel like you're being led by the Spirit that's contrary to the Word of God, it's the wrong one. All right? And so, uh, you, as you renew your mind, as you renew your mind to the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit's voice will become very clear to you. Very clear to you. Now, here's a couple other things I want you to see. I do want to go back to Acts 8 in just a little bit. We'll, we'll do that before we close. The Holy Spirit is God Himself living in us. That's God Himself living in us. He's manifesting Himself to us. Jesus said, if you love me, me and my Father will manifest ourselves to you. And how He manifests Himself to us is through the agency of the Holy Spirit. He is manifesting Himself to us through the agency of the Holy Spirit. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, this is John 14, 23 again, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home in him. So it's God himself. The Holy Spirit is God himself. That's him. And he's desired to come live with us. Now, John, 1 John 4, 4 says the same thing. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is where? In you. In you. Now notice that. So the God that you need to learn to develop is the one that's in you. What do I mean by that? The one you need to get familiar with is not out here. He's in here. That is so imperative as a Christian that we learn that. That the God that we serve is not out here. See, we don't serve... See, uh, um, David said, we look to the hills from which comes our help. We don't. David didn't have the Holy Spirit in him. He couldn't. He wasn't born again. We look to the God that's in us. See, we look to the God that's in us. And we, we, He's in there. He is really, truly, thoroughly in there. If you're born again. Now, because even the Scriptures say that if any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. You're not even God's. So if you're born again, the Holy Spirit is in there, right? And so we really have to learn that God is really, truly in you. He really is truly in you. Let's, let's go back and read that scripture again Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. I mean, that's the greatest promise that any man could have in all the world. You know, you think about people that seek out counsel and wisdom and knowledge and want to know how to make a decision, and the whole time they got God in them. What we do is ignore Him, and He gets quiet. And so we have to. I, I'm guilty of it myself. 
You have to practice living in a way that you are aware and become conscious that God is living in you. It is, it, you have to practice that. When you're walking along and you're making decisions, you say, Lord, what do you think about this? Practice it. Now, in the beginning, when you practice that, it'll seem silly to you. But when he starts answering, it won't. <laughs> when he starts answering, and then you go do it, and it works out for you. And you think, you know, that's exactly what he told me. That's exactly. I knew I should have went over here. I knew I should have done this. I knew I should have done that. And what happens as you practice that, the Holy Spirit becomes really, really strong in your life. And then he just gets to where he talks to you all the time. But if you stop listening, he goes quiet. He does not force his way on you. He's a perfect gentleman. And, and, and so sometimes I'll just say, and I'll say it all the time, i say, Lord, what do you think about that? Should I do it? I've learned not to trust myself. See, I, Paul says, I have no confidence in the flesh. Many times I've had things that I thought were just superb ideas, never the dumbest thing in all the world. <laughs> I, I thought to myself, I thought to myself, I was wondering, I didn't have to somebody tell me to get out of the rain. I mean, I, I look back on some of the decisions I made, and I was just confident that they were good decisions. Dumbest thing in all the world. You couldn't have done anything any more dumber. And I, I'm thinking, Lord, you know, and so what happens is over time, you lose confidence in yourself and you gain confidence in Him. You make some costly mistakes like that, and you learn. Lord, I need to know what you think about this. You see, you're my helper. You're my helper. I need you. You, you, I, you know, the real thing of it is, is mankind himself is so arrogant. He has no consciousness of how ignorant he is. Right? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about collectively. See, I'm not saying that about you. I'm saying that collectively. Humankind has become so arrogant the Bible says the foolishness of God is greater than man's wisdom. Right? And so we, we have grown up in a society that's so cocky and arrogant and thinks they know everything and they know nothing. They become fools. Right? Professing to be wise, they become fools. That's what the scriptures say, right? And so God's foolishness, God's lowest thought is greater than man's wisest idea. You know, and so when I look back, I, I have one decision I'm thinking of right now. It won't make any sense to if I tell you, so I'm not going to tell you what it was. <clears throat> it's about business, so it wouldn't make any sense. But it was the dumbest thing I ever did. And I was just confident. I mean, I was just confident. I had all the information. I had all the details. I had all the finances. Uh, to, you know, I had thought the whole thing out. And there was just no way. This was a sure bet. I, I'd lost my shirt on that deal. I had made it was twenty three thousand dollars, and I collected a hundred bucks off of it. It was twenty three thousand dollars. That's how much it was. Yeah, and I've collected a hundred dollars off of it in a year's time. Dumbest idea. Dumbest idea. Now, if you ask the world, if you'd have put any fifteen shop owners together. And you would ask a bunch of different people, they say, oh, that's a great idea. No. No, it's dumb. I, why do I say it's dumb? 
Because if you get 100 out of 23,000, that's dumb. I mean, you don't got to be a genius to figure that out, right? I don't care what kind of school you go to, that don't work. <laughs> Isn't that right? It's dumb. And so I figured out in comparison to the Holy Spirit, I'm dumb. Now, he makes me wise, right? He's given me the mind of Christ. But I got to operate in that, not mine. You see? Now, there's other things that I've done that just seemed like there was just no way that's going to work. Turned out to be great. Turned out to be great. You see? And so, He has come to help us. It's God inside of us. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have to learn to yield to Him. Now, we just read this scripture. It says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Now, let's read the next one here. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. I love this one. He says, And what agreement... And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Hallelujah. Isn't that a great scripture? You are the temple of the living God. You are where God lives. You are where God dwells. You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be, the, you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Now, the Holy Spirit, if you take time... if. And this is something that I'm telling you, I am really desperate for this. This is something that I am really, de- I want to develop in this more. I want this more than any other thing. If you could offer me a new house, I wouldn't take it if I had to choose. If you could offer me a million dollars, I wouldn't take it if I had to choose. I want this more than any other thing. I want the ability to be able to be full of the Spirit and hear Him accurately and walk out the path that God has for my life. That's what I want. I want it desperately. I don't think I've ever been more hungry in all my life. And so, um, because I realize how desperately I need Him. And, 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 and I'm certain of this. No matter what mess I've made, No matter what situation I or you may find ourselves in, He can walk us right out of it. He can take the impossible and make it possible. All things are possible to Him that believes. And so there is a deep hunger inside of me to grow in this. I mean, I am desperate for this. And so um, I encourage you, to practice. Practice His presence. Practice talking to Him. Practice acting like He's there because He is. He is there. He's there to help you. He's there to guide you. Uh, he is not fictitious. These are not simply words. These are true. This is the Scriptures. The Scriptures tell you that God is living and dwelling on the inside of you. Amen? And uh, we'll close up here because there's a lot more slides left, but we won't take any more time. Um, But uh, anyway, I want to encourage you. Practice the presence of God. Practice listening to Him. Talk to Him. Treat Him like He's there.
because He is there. Acknowledge Him. The Bible says, you know, in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Lean not to your own understanding. See, lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways. See, I leaned to my own understanding making that business decision, that dumb one. And so I leaned on my own understanding and it was unprofitable, right? But it says, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him. Treat Him like He's there. You're talking, you know, you got issues with your children. Say, Lord, I don't know what to do about this. Because we don't. The simple fact is we don't. Right? Isn't that true? How many times have we been in a situation with our children we don't know what the answer is? <laughs> All of us at some times. Right? But, but see, but see there will be promptings of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you one little story and then we'll close with this. And, and I'll tell you about a child. I was working at, um, I was teaching at uh, Covenant Love, and I was teaching the fifth grade boys. Now, in the fifth grade boys, there was 35, 36 boys in the fifth grade class. <laughs> and I taught them for five years, and, and, and really that's kind of like herding cats. So, <laughs> and so uh, they're wild, oh my goodness, oh dear Lord. In fifth grade, I mean, you're just wild as a buck, you know. And, and most of the time, that's fine. We'll roughhouse with them and play because that's what little boys want. They want you to fight with them and play with them and wrestle with them. And you can do a little bit of that, and they'll calm down, and they'll listen to what you got to say, you know. And I love that anyway. I mean, that's just right up my alley. And so, and we would take them outside and play and different things sometimes. And then we'd come in. We'd wear them out and bring them in. Then we would teach them and, and stuff. And so, uh, and, and this is where the carnal mind can really wear you out, especially with people, with children in particular. And, you know, we've all made mistakes in that area. I myself have plenty of times. But um, so this child, this young man was in my class, and he was just a handful. I could not do a single thing with him. I mean, he was, you could not teach the class. You could not talk. I mean, he was like a ping pong ball. I mean, he was wired. And I got so angry. I, about, I snatched him up and drug him outside, and I was about to wear his tail. Honest to goodness, I was about to spank his tail. I didn't care who his mom and daddy was. I had enough. I was going to straighten him out. And so I got him outside, and I took, the, took him outside the door, and I was just getting ready to light into him. And the Holy Spirit said, ask him what's wrong. And he seized me. Now, my flesh, I was getting ready to give it to him. You know what I mean? Like even if I didn't do it physically, I'd have gave it to him. I'd said, you're going to straighten up, you know. And I was getting ready to give it to him. And the Holy Spirit said, ask him what's wrong. I said, son, what's wrong with you? He said, I'm hungry. And I said, you're hungry? I said, you didn't eat nothing before you come to church this morning? He said, no. I said, your mama didn't make you nothing to eat? He said, no. He said, we had one egg in the house. He said, mama cooked it and ate it in front of me and wouldn't let me have none of it. And I said, son, you're kidding me. He says, no. And so I went through a whole church, every office. I broke into every office in the church, and I stole everything I could find out of every drawer, all the cookies, all the crackers. I went into the closet, and I finally, I didn't steal it. They would have gave it to me. And so I fed him. And he came down, sat down in class, and we had a good class. And so what am I saying? You don't know. You're not intelligent enough. I'm just going to be honest with you. You're not. We're not. I'm not. You never will be. You need the Holy Spirit. 
We're not even operating at the level that God designed us. We use like 3% of our brain. You don't know it. You don't know what you need to do. You need a helper. I need a helper. I need a helper. And so here's what we decided to do. The next week, me and Melissa, Melissa would get up early and we would make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and milk. And we brought it to the class and we fed them and we gave them something to eat and they were fine and you could teach the class. Now, how easy is that? You could lose your cool, yell at him, beat him. He's still going to be hungry. <laughs> All it, and he would have never told me. You know, he, a kid don't think. They don't know, you know. But you ask him and he tells you, you know. And so we need a helper. We really need a helper. I mean, it's unbelievable how much we need one. Wouldn't you agree? Father, we just thank You. Lord, we just praise You. We just acknowledge You. Father, we are learning to not to lean on our own understanding. But in all our ways, Father, we acknowledge You. We ask You, Lord, what should we do about that? And, and Lord, how should we do this? Should we go? Should we stay? Should we buy this? Should we not buy this? Father, help us. Help us to yield and learn from You. And Father, we trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You want me to read that scripture? We'll uh, pick it up next week.